You're listening to North Bay Christ the King's weekly sermon podcast. In this week's message, Pastor Dan McAvoy discusses the difference between what we say and what we do. As mentioned, we're in this, this teaching series, More Than Words, that we're starting. Um, want to start out saying that the words that we have are powerful. Our words do matter. They do affect people, and, and they, they, they hold weight at times. And living in the informational age and, the, let's say, the digital age, there's no short of opinions of people's words, Right? You, you look around, or you don't have to look you, too far. You, you can read it. You can watch it. You, you flip on the news. You, you get on your Facebook page. You go on to Twitter. And I tell you, everybody and their dog is telling you how they feel about things. We, we live, I mean, absolute circuses last year with the election and ever-increasing tension of the political climate from press conferences to protests. We are in a war of words. No doubt about it. And we can kind of go, well, that's going out, happening out there. Let them do their thing. But there does affect us because you're at work and you're talking with people at lunchtime and you get a conversation that can turn political and people will really share their opinions. There's very strong opinions on all sides. You, you, you're, maybe you're in your classroom as a student and you have some conversation with your teacher, your professor, and there's heated discussion. There's no short of words that people are, are sharing. Some of you have had enough and you've done this. You said sorry. You said sorry to your high school classmate. You said, you said no more from your kid's preschool teacher. You said enough Mom, I must unfriend you. I must unfollow you. Ooh. Because like some of you are just going, I, I know someone very close to saying, you know, for Lent, I'm not going to watch the news anymore. Like, you know, there's just taking a break from it. There's lots of words that are being shared. And, and as we could kind of talk about the war words out there, but there's also the war words that can affect us in our lives because the, the words do matter. And yet, as followers of Christ, we're faced with the challenges of our words. Our words have, have power, but at the end of the day, they're just words. They really are. We who claim to be Christians, we communicate a set of beliefs, but what we truly value is not necessarily what we say, though that comes out. It's really what we, what we do. Our theme with this here is, you know, talk is cheap. Action speaks. Action speaks. And I'm hoping as we're taking action, just like a blessing fund can be a, a way of taking action for what we really hold to, uh, we want to see that fleshed out here in this series and beyond. There's a common phrase you probably maybe heard over the years, you know, to walk the walk, you got to talk the talk. And I came across a guy who defiled the odds of faking his way through life. John Cochran, he grew up in elementary school. He got through every grade in school and never learned to read or write. 
And the reason was is because he was a troublemaker and the teacher couldn't handle him any longer. They just, it's your problem, okay? They moved him up. He got through high school and he learned the art of cheating. He learned that skill, dated the Victorian, was hung out with the, the, high, the, 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 the smart people, the college prep kids, worked the system in a way, cheated his way, stole answers from tests and stole term papers to get through. He ended up getting an athletic scholarship at Texas Western College cheated his way through that as well, and ironically becomes, gets an educational degree, becomes a teacher. <laughs> how do you do that? He, and, and they asked him, how did you pull this off for 17 years? He said, I created an oral and visual environment. There wasn't anything written. I used TAs to help me with, you know, reading bulletins and the board, right on the board. I, I, I got through it, and I don't know what happened if he got fired or found out, but he ended up leaving uh, real estate, or leaving teaching, become a real estate broker. Uh, ended up, though, going to school himself, reading and writing, you know, now as a kind of advocate for educational systems. He shares a story around. Isn't that amazing? How could you go through that? People really good are good at smoothing people. People really good of faking their way through life. But here's the question for you is, and for I, is are you faking your way through your faith? Are you faking your way through your faith? Meaning you, you can say you're a believer, you can sing the songs, you can pray the prayers, you can give your offering, you can even volunteer in the ministry, you can go through all the motions and still be actually spiritually illiterate. And along the way, you can fake a few people but not at some point, you're going to be found out. I mean, I tell you, especially even non-Christians, they smell hypocrisy a mile away. They, they come along and they go, who faked in here? Do you? Someone faked in here. This is something, something's not right. Listen, we can, we can talk. I got Josh there. I... I we could talk a good talk, but it's much harder to walk this walk that we're here. And to walk the walk, what we're going to talk about today is we need to know the Word. The, the Bible is, is the Word to help us know the Word. Because you know who the real Word is. Many of you know. The, word, the words of the Bible point us to the Word. It's Jesus Himself. I want to introduce and maybe you know, remind us of, some, of the Word from the words of John. Now, not the fake teacher John, but the, the John I want to talk about today comes from the Bible, the authentic John that was an apostle, who, who was an eyewitness of Christ on this earth. And he gives us this wonderful account of having an up-close and personal relationship with Jesus. And in John 1.1, it says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was... God, and the Word was God. And he goes on a few verses later, he says this, the Word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John literally walked with the Word, walked in the Word, 
in his life. Him and his brother James, they're two fishermen that Jesus came and called to be a disciple. They're, they're, his, him and his brother are called the Sons of Thunder. Doesn't that sound like a, like a pro wrestling tag team? Sons of Thunder, you know, come out. I love that. They, these guys are these brash fishermen. Nobody thought they would be any kind of re, fall any kind of faith. And, and Jesus goes, I want those guys. I want those guys to be a part of what I'm going to do. And so them plus the other 12, they saw Jesus heal people. They saw Jesus, you know, do all these miracles and this ministry is built. But they saw him crucified. They saw him risen from the dead and they saw him ascend to heaven and they experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were part of this incredible movement that we can read about and have, have uh, an account of in scripture in the first century. We can read and understand in history that there was incredible resistance of the Roman Empire and the religious people of the day. And in fact, these, these historians would say, extra biblical evidence would say that many of them, if not all, we can put aside Judas and know the story with him before, before he betrayed Christ. But we look at the rest of these disciples and all of them died a martyred and probably a premature death except one diehard. John. John lived an old, to be an old man. John, they said, was taken to Rome and he was boiled in oil and survived and not suffered. And it's said in historians to say that the, audit, the audience of the Colosseum, that all the people in that Colosseum, they watched this for sport to kill Christians, converted to, to, to Christ. They couldn't kill John. You know what they did? They banished him to this little island called Patmos. They thought they could silence him. No, he just wrote the book of Revelation. <laughs> and through that, before all that came to a head, John spent, Apostle John spent many years in a community called Ephesus. That was his church community. That was his leadership that he built. And they would talk with John about what it was like. John, tell us what it was like to be with Jesus. And John would share, and much of you can read in the book of John and what he wrote in the gospel that he probably shared with them. But what happened is, as John was taking away, it left a void of leadership. And you know what happened? False teachers came in. And they began to teach false doctrine. It began to pull the church apart. And the main issue was this. This was interesting. Here John had seen Jesus, had, had, had touched Jesus, had experienced Jesus fully in flesh, the people that came in after John, you know what they did? They said, no, 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 no. Jesus didn't really come. God didn't really come in the flesh. Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. He was more of a spirit. He didn't really, he wasn't physically on this earth. Now, why did people believe that? Well, 30 or 40 years go on. John's gone. They don't know who, they never, there's no eyewitnesses any longer. And this new generation rose up and these, 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 these group of people came in with this false teaching. So John comes back or writes from to Ephesus. And then this, these letters that we have now in scripture is, is the epistles. It's first John, second and third that we have with us to refute this false teaching. And the false teaching was this, it was called Gnosticism. Gnosticism, really Gnostic, it just all you need to know, it means knowing. It, it's having the knowledge that you're, you, and that knowledge is enough and that you're good with God. All you need to do is just to know. It's just words. Gnostics believe that 
actually, if you, that, that our bodies are evil, and therefore it doesn't matter what you do with your body. I mean, it's just going to waste away, and so you can, you can commit adultery, and you can you have, you know, be involved in other forms of immorality and, adult, and, and idolatry, but it, so it doesn't really affect your faith. And John's going, no, 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 it does. It does. That, that the path to our salvation is to understand that it matters, that, that the flesh does matter because it's Christ's flesh. The incarnation really, really is important. That Jesus really, really came in the flesh and the blood. It was really him that was nailed to the cross. It was real flesh. It was real blood. That really, really matters. They didn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. They didn't physically believe that. And so they refuted like Thomas's testimony. Thomas, after Jesus rose from the dead, he goes, you know, unless I see the, the nails in his hands and his feet, I'm not going to believe. And so Jesus shows up and says, hey, Tom, take a look, take a feel right here. And he, his, his explanation goes, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus says these words, these words matter, matter to Thomas and the disciples. They matter to us today. He says this, because Thomas, you have be- if seen me, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Well, guess what? Guess, guess who that is? It's us. That's us today. We are the ones that are blessed. Even though we didn't physically touch Jesus or see Jesus or saw or heard Jesus, guess what? It's those that believe and this, this eyewitnesses of this account that we have of Scripture, the Word that came in the flesh. See, you maybe have heard this before. You can, you can know God intellectually. There's a lot of people. I know a lot of people that it runs to all the time. They're very, very, very brilliant people, way smarter than I am. They know God. They, not really. They know of God, but they don't know God. You can know about, right? I, I, don't, I don't know certain famous people, like personally know them, but I know about them. Do I really know them? Do they really know me? No. But when you're in a relationship with God, you can really know, to know with your heart, in your soul. And in there, that's where transformation takes place. And that's why John writes to these believers that the word is not just knowledge. He says in, in the gospel and in, as we're going to look at here in a moment, in 1 John, where we're going to camp out for the next few weeks in the book. So if you wanted to study with me and concentrate, trait on 1 John. That's what we're going to spend. We're going to get into it, okay? So I hope you can buckle up and get into the Word with me in the next few weeks and specifically look at 1 John and know this, that John over and over, no, Jesus really existed. He really is in the flesh. I felt him. I experienced him. You can too. The Word is not just knowledge, but it's a relationship. So John 1, 1, 1 John 1, 1, it says this, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at our hands and touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Now, we've probably watched enough TV that we've seen a lot of crime dramas and courtroom dramas, and we're all pretty well rehearsed, aren't we? And what happens? I mean, one, I hopefully you never have to, but there's times maybe you've had to testify in court, you know, that the bailiff comes out and, you know, tells you to put the, I don't know if they still do it. Maybe they do. That'd be cool. They still put the left hand on the Bible, raise your right hand, and do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? Yes. 
And then people share what they experienced. Tell us of the night of, where were you? What were you doing? And, and you know, when you swear under oath, and if you, if you lie, that's perjury. You could go to prison yourself. It's a pretty serious thing. You don't want to mess around with this. And people will give details of what they saw, what they heard, what they experienced. And now, some people come along, and they'll, the, the, the other side will try to refute, and no, that didn't really happen, did it really happen? And pretty soon people go, no, no, I was there. I experienced it. Tell, I, I can tell you for sure. I know. And I think it's the same way for us spiritually. That you and I, if we've had a genuine experience with Jesus, we're simply, you know what we're doing? We're just testifying. We're saying, man, this is what happened to you. This is what I experienced. And you know what? Some people come along, well, that didn't really happen to you. Really, you know what? It did. I really, really had this experience that changed my life. See, it's more than just talk. A life it, that is that is proven. See, if you and I, if we if we really want to like be this, you know, model what it means to be a Christian to really live that out, is to live it out. It's not just to talk about it, but to, the radical step is actually to be in obedience. There's so much hypocrisy. There's so much people out there that that see it that way. But when they come across and they meet a true blue Jesus follower, there's something different. In fact, in fact, some of you are here today because someone modeled to you years of living it out. And you were watching, you were tested, and you're going, do they really believe this? And they saw the consistency in your life. They saw it when you blew it. You you, you asked for forgiveness. They're like, wow, that person's humbled themselves. They, they don't let pride get in the way. You model it to them that drew them so much to be, have faith in Christ. I'm challenging us to just keep doing that. And I would say this for today as we start this off, let's be living proof of what we proclaim. If we could commit to ourselves, we'd get this going, to be living proof to what we proclaim, that our, that our lives match our lips. Now, easier said than done. We're, we're inconsistent, aren't we? I'm inconsistent with that. John helps us a little bit. I want to look at here this morning. I want to talk about us, us ourselves being eyewitnesses. Just as John experienced, we can be eyewitnesses. We can have our own experience with Christ. And how does that play out? Well, here's some great thoughts from John that I want to look at in Scripture. But some thoughts I want to give you too as well. First is this, we can be changed because life has appeared. We can be changed because of life has appeared. If you became, became a parent, you know that moment, especially as dads. I mean, we have no idea what our lives, we just watch them go what they're going through. And then all of a sudden they hand us a baby. Your whole life changes at that moment, okay? Well, your whole life for the better, your whole life changes. It's incredible. And I was thinking just as my, my, my first child was born, I wonder what it was like for God the Son to be born in this world. Well, John writes this. He says, the life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you. Lost my place. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father has appeared to us. John saying, listen, I was there. I've experienced it. I, I saw the miracles. I saw the healings. I saw it really was Jesus that was crucified. He really was risen from the dead. I mean, my buddy Tom, he, he felt the hands and feet. I mean, we there, we experienced it. And not just us, like 500 people, Bible says, saw this. It really took place. 
your life, your life, you and I, as John's saying, it speaks as life appeared, it's changed us, it's transformed us. I, I love our small group and I've been, been so loving being a part of groups that people get to share a little bit of their story. And you and I, we, we each have a story to share. Maybe it's a story how we got off drugs or we struggled with something and we we're feeling bad or we, 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 life was going terrible or maybe life was going really, really good and we realized we were chasing the wrong dreams and then we really need Christ. And when you share your story, whatever that look, looks like and comes in various versions of, of people's stories come together and you go, wow. This is amazing. This transformation takes place miraculous. It's not just talking about it. Talk's cheap. It really is action, lives that speak. Say, I don't know about you. I don't know where I'd be without Jesus. I don't know where I'd be. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be able to experience all that I got to experience in the last 25 years as a Christian. And there's so much more. There's so much ahead of us. The challenge for us to be living proof that life change really takes place, that people see it and we prove it with our lives. And here's the thing, we all can experience it together. You can write this in. We are, we're connected because light has re- been revealed. We're connected because light has been revealed. John goes on, he says this, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son and and Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. What's so cool is that when we have a genuine encounter with Christ and someone else has a genuine encounter with Christ, there's a bond. It's called fellowship. Old school used to be fellowship. We ate food like a potluck. It's more than that. It's more than just eating together. There's a thing called koinonia, means a bond. It's a connection that we have. That's why you can bond with other Christians from across the globe. My friend Josh and his wife Dana, they are known these folks for many, many years, and God has stirred with them them to reach out to those that to rescue from sex trafficking in Cambodia. I mean, who, the, the whole different world and a whole different experience that's happening over there, the atrocity, and, and God grabbed a hold of these guys' hearts for this, and so they've been in Cambodia, and they're actually coming back here in a couple days, and he, Josh has asked me to be a, a daily prayer partner, so at 7 a.m., my, my phone dings, pray for Josh and Dana, and they're, they're experiencing such a bond and connection with the people over there. They were in a, in a three-hour church service when there was no, there was no English. And what they found out was the the people were there were almost 100% of them were rescued from these brothels from they were they were abducted as children and they were rescued later all this whole church of them and they, they, they the, 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 the power of the Holy Spirit was so evident Josh says and the bond you know what when I was reading that I was tearing up going I'm bonded to that I'm bonded to across the world you and I we have this fellowship. We have this bond. We have this connection that we can, we can experience where we have come out of the darkness. And here, here are these folks, they were came out of this, literally of the darkness and into the light to have fellowship because of the light of Jesus. John goes on, he says this, this message we have heard from you and declare to you is that God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. Kind of, I guess I'm in the crime show 
you know, picture here today, but you remember the interrogation room, you watch these shows and then and they, they bring in the, 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 the guy, you know, they, 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 they arrested and they want him to confess and they put the bright light on him and they go, okay, Jimmy, we know you killed him. Tell us where the body is and it'll go better for you, right? You know, we watch these shows and we hear about that and that's what it is, is that light they, they have them sweated out, and they, that light is to expose the truth. And in our times, we re- recognize that it's so easy for us to kind of, and it's easier to be in the dark. It's easier to be in the shadows. It's easier not to put ourselves out there and let the light of God shine in our lives because it's embarrassing. We're, we're, we're exposing ourselves. And so what we do is we, we can hide in our insecurity and in our fear and our addictions, and probably more than anything, we hide in our pride. We hide in our pride that we don't want anybody to know what's going on in our life at all. And so we, we stay in the shadows. shadows and, and, and yet what John's saying, hey, listen, the light of God can shine in your life. It can shine in your life and exposes. But you know what it does? It brings, it brings things to the surface. It actually shows where you are in your life. Because in the darkness, there's deception and there's isolation. That's probably the worst place you can be is in deception and isolation. Deception, you don't, you don't want to deal with it. You're in denial of your problems. And then isolation, because there's a distinction. And you watch it all the time, don't you? With friends and people that kind of are dissing themselves is because they're going down a road of darkness. And they don't want to be exposed. They don't want to let anybody know because it's embarrassing. And they're making some bad choices in their life and they distance themselves. And what happens with isolation, the devil's M.O., is he loves it. He thrives in it. He, he, he allows you. When you're isolated, it leads to this dangerous road of destruction. So John writes in his gospel, in John 3, he says this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so they might see plainly what, have, what they have done and have, and have been done in the sight of God. I mean, Scripture is Scripture to tell you right here. The truth is it all will get exposed. Eventually, the light shines on all our lives. And yet we live in deception. We live in a place that I'm going to hide. I'm going to, I don't want anybody to know. But eventually, eventually, John's saying it's all going to come out. It's all going to be exposed. And I'll encourage you all is this. Take control of your exposure. If if you're just, if, if you recognize if, if we will be proactive to put ourselves in the light and put ourselves out there, then we can control that a little bit. We can actually move in rather than being denial of it because at some point it's all going to be exposed. We actually can a choice, a proactive choice. And John says this in, in 1 John, he says this, if we claim though to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not tell the truth. John's saying, listen, at some point, again, you're deceiving yourself. You're, you're walking this darkness. You're lying to yourself. And how many know it's so easy to lie to yourself? If you keep believing the, the lie at first, you're going, ah, it's a lie. Pretty soon, have you run into people all the time? They believe their own lies. That's truth. They can look you straight in the eye. And they can tell you a complete, utter lie. And they believe it themselves. That's how deception, how deceiving it can be not walking in the truth. And what happens, though, is, again, isolation 
and denial that's there, it leads to destruction. But here's what happens with the, being in the light. What it provides is healing, wholeness, and honesty. And when you get into the light, just like a prisoner and those prison doors open, you come and expose to the light and it's bright, you recognize there's something incredible about it. It's called freedom. And that freedom that comes, and the freedom comes through this fellowship that we can have. And when we come into light, we can also be carriers of this light to this dark world. That's, that's what Josh and Dan are doing. They're learning, they're growing, like they're going to come back and they're going to be fired up. And they're going, we got to go back to that dark place. We got to go back and rescue those, those people to get them out of darkness and come and experience the power and the presence of God and, and, and have that literally have some freedom, but also spiritual freedom to be in the light. John goes on, he says this, but if we walk, listen, in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. See, the positive test of really knowing God is, is, is this light that's in you and you can experience what we've been talking about for many, many years here called authentic Christian community. This fellowship that we can have, that we can allow ourselves being in this light being in a, and it, sometimes it takes some work to be in a safe place to share your struggles. And when you get it out, when you let it out, just maybe a little bit at a time, more freedom comes. I tell you, there's healing in the light. There's healing in the light. And yes, it's painful. Yes, it's difficult. But you can be in control of that. You can be proactive with that. And more and more as God opens up, you become this open book. And I tell you, there's an incredible amount of freedom but listen, we are as sick as our secrets. We are sick as our secrets are going on and it eats at us and it eats at us and it eats at us. And this opportunity, so I hope today that you be challenged with this to really, as eyewitnesses, if this life has appeared, this light reveals, but you know what ends up happening is this, is that we can be clean because the, the lies have been exposed. We can be clean because the lies have been exposed. My wife and I um, are, are clean people, okay? My ki our kids tell us how clean freaks we really are, you know? And, 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 and I, they, they complain about that, okay? They do a little bit as we tell them to pick up their, their stuff all over. But we're, my wife and I are two different types of cleaners. I'm a surface cleaner. I love, I'm a, I, I'm a clutter freak. Like if there's a counter, or if there's a table, I'm just like clear it all off and like shove it in a drawer. Okay. That's how I clean. All done. My wife's way different. She's not worried about the clutter. Sometimes she goes, man, this house is dirty. I'm like, no, I just cleaned it. No, it's dirty. Cushions are lifted up. The furniture is moved and there's wrappers and there's chips all over and there's all this. And I'm like, oh, gross. We are dirty people, you know? And it's the same in our lives. We're so good at surface cleaning spiritually. How are you doing? Fine. Now we've learned fine here at Christ the King. How we define fine is this. They're freaked out, irrational, neurotic, and emotional. Okay, that's fine. All right. And, and none of us are close to fine at times. People who say they're fine are typically giving lip service because we're not go going below the surface. And that's so important that we do that. So John goes on. He says this. If we claim to be without sin, dirt, we, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Then he says this, if we claim we have not sin, we make him out. Make who out? God, a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. I mean, John's just kind of getting to the, calling the, the, the kettle black here. He's saying, you know what, down the, all that, it's sin. 
Sin is the issue. Now, sin, people don't like to use the word sin nowadays. You know, they, they call it dysfunction or disease or mistake or a failure or blemish. Even the, 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 the Oxford Junior Dictionary recent years removed the word sin from the, from the dictionary. They feel like the younger generation, that's not relevant to them any longer. Now, sin, if you were old school, you know, all that sin, people misuse that to, to bring judgment, and, uh, you know, in history, religiously, people have done that. But sin is sin. And John's saying, listen, don't be a Gnostic. Don't just go, just knowing is okay. He goes, no, no, no. You got to deal with your life. That You can sin with your body as well as your mind. It's not just, it's not just knowing, but it's knowing. It, the Gnostics believe, hey, it's no big deal. God understands. He will forgive. Nowadays we say, hey, no one of us is a perfect. We are, we are not here to judge. We're, that's not our, you know, you got to look at the heart. You got to look at the tensions of the person. And John just gives some strong language. He goes, you know what? When you, when you live that way and act that way, you're a liar. <laughs> and you know who else? You're, you're calling God a liar. He's just saying you're, you're being defined against God. You might as well spit in God's face. It's like, well, that's pretty, that's pretty serious stuff. But you know what happened is sin is sin because sin leads to more sin and then more sin and then more sin. You ever like see people run a red light and then they run another red light? You could just go through the red lights, right? It's a slippery slope in our lives. And yet John's saying you don't have to live that way. There is Christ's blood to offer a spiritual bath. I love what verse Verse nine in the Phillips, this, this paraphrase, I love this. It says, of, but if we freely admit that we have sinned, we find God utterly reliable and straightforward. He forgives our sins and makes us thoroughly, I love that, thoroughly clean from all the evil. Thoroughly clean, no lingering residue, no, where our souls can be spotless. Deep cleaning. Can I challenge you today? Are you living on the surface? Are you, are you faking it? Guess what? People smell it. They smell a fake mile, mile away. Are you willing to allow God do that deep work in us? Do that deep work. Pray that prayer. God, do that. Is there something in my, as David prayed, God, is there any sin in me? Is there anything there? Do that deep cleaning. And, and maybe today that might be you here in a moment. We're going to pray to come clean, to come clean. I want to wrap up verse chapter, going to chapter two, verse one and two. And, and the monks, I love the monks, but they, they probably should have kept the section, not made it chapter two yet uh, in the middle ages when they put the chapters together. But it says this in verse one, my dear children, I write this to you so you will not sin. Then it says this, but if anyone does sin, what is he saying? We all sin. We all sin. It's not, the goal as we leave this life, as we go into our week, is not to, be, to live sinless. You're thinking, no, that doesn't, no, no, we're, you know and I know we're going to sin. We're going to use sin with our mind or with our words or we're going to do something. But more than this, and being sinless is to, be, to, is to sin less to sin less. As we grow and develop as a follower of Christ and be Christ-like, the goal is to sin less. And John's challenge is here. Listen, there's going to be time. There's going to be a challenge. There's going to be moments. But listen, stay in the light. Stay in fellowship with one another. Grow in your knowledge, not just in knowledge in your head, but in their heart. And guess what? You can live this life that is on a, in a, in a path towards sinning less. And he, he wraps up with this. He says, because of this, why? Because our father is our, as our great is our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. 
What he's saying is, at the end of the day, none of us, none of us can actually live up to any of it. It's only God's grace. It's only through the sacrifice of his son. Because if we try on our own, it's only going to be words. It's only going to be lip service. It's only, it's only going to be this, this life that we're kind of faking our way through. And, and John said, no, no, no. Listen, allow the work of Jesus. Allow the, this, this forgiveness the offered through the atoning sacrifice for sins on the cross to change you. I'd like our team to come as we pray here today.